Hello, and welcome to Label Sessions Presents. Label Sessions is a global platform that connects you to the best advice for the most interesting people. Whether you want advice, mentoring, or ideas. I'm Josh Nix, content producer for Label Sessions. And in this episode, Kishi Kijano of Label Sessions talks to Yutta Yari. Yutta is a trailblazer in collaboration and co-creation for an impressive 19-year journey in teaching and implementing these principles. Over to Yutta and Kishi. Absolutely thrilled to have you here, Yuta. Um, welcome to the Label Sessions Presents podcast. Um, I guess, can you please introduce yourself to our audience and share what you're best known for? Yes, happy to. I teach a program for engineers to uh, grow their ideas. I do that with teams of people working on ideas for a very long time already. And then after a couple of years, there's also mentorship that basically um, started to become the center of it. So it's working with young engineers or teams of engineers in growing their ideas. And um, it's not just the entrepreneurial side of things, but over the years we drifted very hardworking teams and collaboration and co-creation and such. So um, I think that's the, the bottom line. Yeah, wonderful. And you say you've told us that you're kind of uh, a bridge between tech academia and the business or commercial world. Uh, someone who connects people, who makes insights from academic and technological spaces, makes them accessible to the commercial world and, and vice versa. Um, I wonder, why do, you, why do you think you do this so well? And how come so many people can't connect these two worlds? I don't know exactly, but I think I have like a, an inert drive to have a holistic approach to everything. And I, I really actually have a problem to separate those worlds. Because we are just in one world and I feel that it's really about being able to balance everything out and to ultimately um, do something that has a meaning for you on this planet, right? It's like we, we don't have, you know, infinite time. Uh, so we, we need to find ways where we can um, bring our talents and competencies um, out in a way that it impacts and, you know, has a positive benefit for the people who are involved or you are serving or you're and you know connected with and that's a, the a very deep human wish and an expectation uh, that we have something to do here that has a meaning for us as well and that's I guess that's where my wish to see everything from a holistic point of view comes from and um then if you go into the different areas, and somehow I have had this open doors from, from uh, the beginning, you know, after my studies, I went into academia and I worked with companies and um, there was always this connection between different kind of stakeholders or different kind of people, different backgrounds. And uh, that's where I saw this translation need. Um, so if, if you, you have an engineer talking to a doctor and you're just listening in, um, you will be like, oh, wow, there's, you know, this is not working well. You know, they, they don't really understand each other. So um, this translation need was always very um, clear and evident for me. And that's, I think, what it needs to, um, yeah, to, to come to a holistic approach and to yeah to be able to, to make conversations meaningful and so people have an impact. 
So some, you know, another point that drives me, I think that comes out of the same source. I don't like energy to be wasted or anything to be wasted. So that connects me also to circular economy and all of that stuff, but it's also about human energy. So I would like to make it um, easy and um, feeling like a flow needs translation because we are so, you know, um, honed to certain viewpoints or only used to talk to people out of the same profession. And then there's just a, a high probability of misunderstandings that happen. And um, I actually just had a conversation with a friend of mine about that. You know, how what do you do if you see such uh, misunderstandings happening? Do you always have to jump in and try to translate? Or is it maybe, uh, you know, not so good if you always feel that compelling uh, drive? So it's, um, yeah, there's, there's no right and wrong here. It's, it's really about, um, yeah, following somehow the intuition on when you can have the biggest uh, impact and when maybe you have to stay silent until something surfaces. But yeah, that's, um, I guess that's my, my superpower uh, that I'm willing to, to um, lend to everyone because of that beautiful impact that I can see at the end, which is my payment when I see um, eyes, sparkling eyes where you can see, okay, this really work. So going to all of these kind of programs, business models that you have that have very diverse stakeholder groups, I wonder, how do you make sure that everyone's opinions are fully kind of fully understood, fully heard in, especially in this exploration phase of an idea or project? This is actually the the key question. Um, it's really about um, putting a lot more time in the starting phase instead of right away jumping into the product development of something. Set the stage for building a foundation first. So to have time for people to get to know each other, to make the intentions clear. So I spend a lot of time, and I, I call this actually like an inspiration phase where I, I talk about why you know connecting things is so important and and kind of coming and and bringing everybody down to the same level to the common denominator which is us being humans right um but being part of a world rather than having people in different positions kind of where they are taking different perspectives so that they they can come back to their own you know perspectives of course but that they also have a common ground where you can really connect and that takes time and it's it's um, unplannable I would say because it always depends on the people um, you are with there's really no factor over the last 19 years where you can predict anything it's it's just different every time you bring a group of people together so you have to be prepared for that and um that's the most important point, I think, to a lot time for this foundation building and the connection without pressure. Um, that's, a, I would say, the, the time and the without pressure factor is very important so that we are not jumping into building something and being this result-driven and result-oriented. We have to yeah, be able to step out of that modus as well, modus superandi. And um, yeah, when, when, when that can happen at the beginning of a project, that's actually not the case. If you build this foundation 
it's it's kind of like an insurance against misunderstandings and misalignments that are hidden at the beginning, but later they would really destroy or at least considerably slow. And um, yeah, my programs aim to give people that experience so they, they can say, well, I, I want to build this into an next project because I've experienced it not going so well. It's um, reflecting upon it. That's the, the third point afterwards, after such an experience to uh, reflecting and the integration of whatever has happened, insights that have come up so that we can really take it with us. When you're working on commercializing these tech ideas, how do you go about preventing mission drift? It's a very crucial question. Thank you for um, using the term mission drift in this context. I think it's, it's the mission drift term actually comes out of, I think, religious organizations. But I think it very much applies to founders who started out with ideas that were very uh, visionary and um, yeah, very much connected to the impact that they want to have on people in, you know, providing a solution for a problem. And this commercialization is sometimes very much influencing how this product or service takes shape. It happens gradually because, you know, when you are growing an idea, especially in this very first phase, things seem to be moving constantly. So it's a very um, energy intensive time. And I've actually just read a student comment about that, that it is really complex and difficult and you have to be very present to notice what's going on even. But this reflection time becomes even more important at, in this stage. Um, so what I always recommend is really to capture those insights or to capture when decisions have been made and why. So that you you are kind of capturing your journey in a in a map that allows you to go back later on uh, at some point maybe where you really see yeah okay this is not working how did we get there you know why why did we make these decisions so that you can actually trace your way back to where you set uh, this direction and reconsider and say okay. We have new information now at this point and we can take a different decision intersection so that we can get into a different direction. And only if we are able to do this, then, you know, this complexity can be broken down into smaller steps and you don't have to redo everything. So it's, uh, again, really, um, I'm recommending or vouching for a slower approach where you can um, capture those important points that we might miss when we are going too fast. This podcast is brought to you by Label Sessions, the global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people. Around the world, we work with brands to connect their people to true leaders, just like the people you hear on this podcast, for live sessions of advice, mentoring, or sometimes to collaborate on ideas. To find out more, visit labelsessions.com and book in for a demo with our team. We've talked about this before, about kind of new sustainable ways of building ventures. Um, you've talked about kind of open source and low growth strategies. Um, could you talk us through this a little bit more and kind of also why you advocate for it? Yeah, so my approach, and it, it took me quite some time to realize also that this is my specific uh, 
filter, I would say, in terms of uh, finding a business model that works, um, is the community approach, as I call it. Um, so it's always in my center to look for as much impact as we can have, right? So that might mean that we are looking for people who uh, can use that solution that we are building who might not have the budget, right? So if, if we are looking into, okay, we need some more people who help us and help each other to actually uh, make that um, positive impact visible because we cannot do all that alone, right? So it's really about distributing the load to a lot of people and being able to get to a result also faster because you have the resource of so many people. And that's, I think, really uh, seen and made visible in an open source project where there is uh, income streams from areas where there is also income, but it's also um, offered to other groups of people. And so there's this, uh, I would say, multidimensional approach on how a certain solution can benefit so many more stakeholder groups at the same time without actually producing more costs or using more resources. And I think for me, this is just natural. It just makes sense. And um, usually when, you know, when I have very young engineers, they they don't, uh, you know, question that. For them, it's also very natural. The no growth topic actually just recently came into my uh, area of thinking because of these different models, you know, where you look for investors and then actually you end up building a relationship to your investors rather than your customers, uh, which is the very, you know, most important point at the beginning when something starts. Um, so it's there's just a lot of things that just don't make, you know, make sense in that traditional Silicon Valley model of uh, building companies uh, that can be done differently and that seem to be a, a real system change um, on a yeah very broad level. So it's a huge topic. And um, I think though we have lots of examples or, already of, of companies that have gone into these directions over the last couple of decades. Or, so we, we always feel like there is not, there is no different way of approaching something. But there is, and um, I think it's a lack of um, knowledge dissemination, and it's it's not really taught in the business schools or not at all in engineering schools. My main mission, I think, to just disseminate the knowledge and, and have people see that there is different options uh, that they have. I think that's, it's super interesting, and I'm sure it's an uh, introduction to kind of these concepts for for many people so thank you very much for sharing that i'd like to pivot slightly and um, talk about the significance of overcoming challenges and why that's essential for growth how how do you go about reframing this narrative around failure almost how do you encourage people not to be scared of it or perhaps distance themselves slightly from their emotions especially in this kind of initial stage of building something well, it's, I think I'm, I'm leading people back to, you know, when we were small and we were learning something new. You come back to that topic, it's everybody's like, yeah, that's right. You know, why why am I so nervous about it? I'm doing something new. And if you're doing something new, 
the first time at every idea you grow, you're doing something that nobody has done before, right? Because it's, it's really connected to an idea that is grown by a certain group of people. So it will always be new by nature again. It's so strange that we ex expect from ourselves to be perfect. But if you think the very first time, how can we be perfect? We are just learning. So um, it's just coming back again to our human nature. And it's not only actually humans, it's also animals who learn, right? So it's it's just coming back to this understanding what learning actually means for us and that we are enjoying the ride and that we can become more conscious, putting these emotions a little bit to the sit, not ignoring them at the same time, but by not clouding our, our consciousness and uh, headspace, I would say, with, with overwhelming emotions and um yeah that's just uh human beings where we have to understand also how the body works and how it's connected to our minds so, or um, it helped me a lot a lot actually to learn about neuroscience and uh what's going on you know this is not in our control this is the subconscious level um so becoming more knowledgeable about it um just really helps people to uh, over this feeling of shame or not being enough and um yeah, if you have people in a group where you are, you know, together in, in a certain space and, and everybody um, sees it that way, it just lifts the energy in a different way. Uh, it allows so many more things to happen. And, and you can also laugh about it. You can have, you know, this humor coming in as well and uh, laugh about yourself. How could I forget that? You know, uh, it's right there in front of me on my board and still I, I over overlooked it, right? But this is, uh, again, coming back to this complexity of a situation where we are doing something new. Uh, I think our our brains don't really like to do stuff new again all the time, right? We want to um, automize and um, we also want to take a break and uh, have no thinking going on for a while. I think that's um, coming from society. Everything is fast-paced. Uh, there is no rest. Um, no enjoyment we don't even know many people don't even know if you have asked the question like what do you do for recharging your batteries and then it's like well, I don't fuck. so we have to get back to that to balance this a bit more and then we can talk about what went wrong and it's actually really 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 nice to see that you can uh, learn again and then that's the only way to learn and there's no way around it. So we can make it hard for us or we can make it easier. No, I think I think that's brilliant. And that's always, I think, what you said at the beginning about, you know, when when you're small, when you're a kid and you're learning these new things, of course, you're going to make mistakes. And why is it different now? I think that's such a that's such a brilliant point. With this, we've learned a lot about kind of the advice topics that you could give to other people. We've learned a lot about your expertise, but on this podcast, we do a bit, we do a little segment called our quick fire questions to learn a little bit more about you and kind of what you think and a little bit about who you are, um, aside from your expertise. So I've got a few quick questions to ask you. Uh, they're quite fun. If animals could talk, which species do you think would be the rudest? I actually think uh, animals are not rude at all. They, they should... They all have their certain way of looking at life and uh, they don't have bad intentions. They sometimes have to clean 
but uh, that's just because they want to survive. So uh, I just like to, yeah, connect to the nature of different kind of animals. And uh, you know that I'm very much into cats and different kind of cat species, and uh, they are very fun in learning from them actually also how they have to learn to hunt, for example. Do you have an opinion about if animals could talk, then which species you think would be the funniest? It monkeys me. To elephants. I would love to talk to them about how they could be so calm and wise and, and gentle, even though they're always thinking. So what is your signature dish to impress friends and family, even if you, you're not a great cook? I love to cook curries and different kind of lentils um, from the Indian kitchen. I just enjoy doing it and it's a different outcome every time I make it. So I love that surprise element as well. In your opinion, what makes someone a good traveling companion? You have to be able to adapt. I think if someone is open for surprises and to be spontaneous, um, that that would be my, my biggest point for being able to travel with someone. In another life, what would your career be? Circus? A circus clown, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Um that's actually coming from one feedback of a student who said, well, you're playing quite a role sometimes. So, yeah. What a piece of feedback to get. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I actually don't remember who gave me that advice, but I've passed it on many, many times. Um, there's always a question that comes from mentees or people who ask me about stuff in the connection of growing their ideas and you know how do you know where to go which is the direction what if you have different options um how do you choose and uh, this advice i received was that if you feel it in your body in your heart you think about that option how does it make you feel does it make you feel small or does it make you feel that you are expanding actually and um, yeah, this is, I think, uh, very, very valuable. Go for where you feel that you are expanding and that you can live a more full life open to things, right? This expansion feeling. I think it's very, I don't know if it easy is the right word, but we can feel the difference between something that is making us feel small and, uh, and the other direction that is making us feel bigger and more growing. If you could go back in a sort of a time traveling machine and talk to younger you, would you give her the same advice? Would you give her something something different and more personalized? Yeah, no, actually this advice would really help me, my younger me, uh, to be able to uh, yeah, listen to that inner voice or this intuition on what options to choose. That, that would definitely help me, yeah. And we have one more question to ask you. It's a question we ask all our guests here on the podcast. Yuta, on a scale of one to ten, how weird are you? I think I'm very weird. <laughs> I might be a ten, I would say. Anything in particular that makes you say that? I don't know. I've always been told that the questions I ask, they're like, well, you know, nobody has ever asked me this question. So that would be like a common response from people. And um, it was really hard for me actually to understand my weirdness because for me, it doesn't feel like that at all. Um, so it's, um, yeah, it's, I think I'm like a, a, maybe a chameleon or uh, any kind of other animal that is able to change perspective really fast. And because of 
being able to feel into that other person or animal and to see how it how it feels in in that kind of a coat or you know in, in that kind of a role and um i guess that comes across weird to many people if you are not definable right thank you so so much for coming on the podcast uh for sharing your knowledge um and also for yeah letting us get a little insight or teaser to the advice and the topics um topics of advice you could give so thank you so much Thank you so much. So concludes another episode of Label Sessions Presents. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast no matter your platform of choice. And of course, start your journey today with us at labelsessions.com.